0: we have this this phrase we've been saying. The church has been doing it for over a thousand years. We we say, Christ is risen. And then the response is we say, He is risen indeed. Now, before we do that, we're going to practice this a little bit, okay? But the idea of, of why this is important is, it's the idea that this reality, this truth, right? That there is a foundational truth that's kind of being shouted from all the corners of the earth. In the scriptures, you have these these interesting kind of a phrases where it talks about creation is, is longing to see the sons of God revealed. It's, it's almost as if like all of the mountains and the seas and the sky and the birds and, and the fish are just waiting for this new thing God's going to do. But the last creatures to realize what God is doing is us. And so what we do in this is we say this phrase, Christ is risen. And then when I say it, the response comes back from you and you say, He is risen indeed. And the reason this is so powerful is it's reminding us that this is being spoken back to us with every sunrise, with every uh, embrace or hug, with every meal shared with a friend, with every experience of love, of joy, of forgiveness. This is being hollered at us from all of the corners of creation, but we're missing it. And so as we say it, Something's going to happen in the room, okay? After you guys say, he is risen indeed, just listen real quickly. And what you're going to hear is the sound wave, okay, begin to travel around this room. Now, this room is awful for sound. Hear that? Sound. Hear that? Yeah. Terrible room. It's going to cost us $1,000, $1,000 to fix that. We're not going to do it right now. we got, we got uh, some more important things to do right now. One day, it won't be an echoey chamber, chamber, chamber. But it is right now. But it's going to work great for my sermon today because you're going to hear the echo. The reverb, the, the, the reality, the truth of this word, this idea bouncing off the wall. So I'm going to say Christ is risen. You're going to respond by saying He is risen indeed. And then we're all going to listen just for a hair of a second. Not long enough to make you awkward, right? But just long enough to listen. You ready? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Okay. One more time. Christ is risen. risen Do you hear it? Ah. That's actually your words. That is that is energy that is that is coming out of your body, hitting these walls, bouncing off of these bodies and these brains and, and being affected emotionally. It's going all throughout all the crevices and cracks in this place. That truth that you just spoke is literally seeping into the walls, into the carpet, into the floorboards. There's something so overwhelming about uh, creation itself. The Scriptures are woven with all of these seemingly just metaphoric phrases. But there's some truth inside of these things. And so, as we talk about waves, who's ever been to the ocean? Anybody? Okay, now, it's Arkansas, so we haven't all been to the ocean. I get that. How about a wave pool? Okay, have you ever experienced moving water? Awesome. Okay, so like streams. Um, who's been to like the Mountainburg Creek? Here we go. Right? We've all been there. It's, uh, yeah, I can't really use that one. But you get the idea of waves, right? You get the concept. Have you ever seen waves on TV? Okay, we can do this. All right, okay. Now, there's an experience in waves when you're a kid. When you first begin to wade out into the water, Okay, when you begin to go from the the shore and you begin to walk your way down the beach into the water, it starts, okay, small, gentle even. Starts at your toes, right? The first experience of the ocean on your toes. Now, I mean like feet are kind of weird for some of you, I get that, but stay with me, all right? It's an interesting experience, right? And the water begins to go from your toes to your ankles to your shins to your knees and it works its way up, right? Well, when you get brave enough, uh, the first time that we took our kids out there, you can, you can tell someone's personality really quickly by the way they react to water, right? They either slowly wade out to it or like, they just stay away the whole time. No, this could happen and this can happen. There's sharks. It's basically a big you know, toilet. All the animals are pooping and peeing in it. I'm not getting it. You know, you know. Then you have like, Liam, who's my child. and He just runs and just like, dives into the ocean. And he gets tumbled and swept back to the, into the shore. That's the best thing ever. Let's do it again. Okay. We, you can kind of learn so much about how we, we, we live life with this experience. But the first time that you're a child and you go out in the water, the waves are a little bit scary, right? The first time the wave kind of hits you here, you kind of feel the force. You know, oh my gosh, I don't know if I like that. And as you begin to kind of go farther and farther, after like a, a day at the beach... You begin to get comfortable enough to kind of time the waves, right? Here comes the wave, and we're going to up and down. You you know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Like you jump. I'm not not just looking stupid for no reason. Okay. So like when the wave comes, if you stand still with the wave, if you plant your feet, it will knock you over on your butt, okay? You will take in salt water. It's not fun. Lose your underwear, all the cool stuff. Okay. So like when it comes, though, what you do is you time it. And right when it's about to come to you, you just kind of hop a little bit, right? And it just kind of takes you, so your head just stays above the water just enough, right? And so you go farther and farther. The uh, last time at the beach that we did this, I had my oldest um, on my shoulders. So we're going farther and farther and farther. And, of course, when the waves go out, the water comes down. And when it comes back, of course, it goes super high and you just kind of jump. Well, there's a point where you get pretty confident in this whole, you know, dance with the waves. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> an experience of a wave that you didn't quite expect, right? And so you're waiting to time it, and the first one comes, and you kind of catch some in your mouth. You know, and you get the idea. And then in that moment of getting it out of your eyes, spitting it out, the next one comes. It hits you, and you kind of like fall back. You get the idea. And then the next one, and then all of a sudden, like you're on your butt, and you're being flipped in the water. Have you ever experienced this? Okay, if you are never been in the ocean, uh, when you go home, just kind of get inside your dryer, <laughs> fill it with water. No. <laughs> I would not be safe, don't do that. But it's a similar idea, right? And you just begin to get tumbled all the way back to the shore, okay? Now, when I think, when I kind of chew on the stories of creation, there is an imagery I kind of see in my mind of just this kind of a wave, right? This movement, this force of what God is doing. Now, there is a book, it's called the... uh, Magician's Nephew. Who's ever read that before? Anybody? Even less than first service? Amen. It's oceans and books. It's going to be a big hit today. All right. Um, I have this, this, uh, this line from the story I want to read to you. And the context of it is, is basically these children have stumbled upon this, uh, these portals. So it's like these, these, these little pools, right? There's, there's about like uh, 11 of them. And when they go and they step into these pools, it takes them to a new dimension, to a new world. They've already been to two or three worlds, you know, it's been a pretty crazy ride. They're trying to get away from someone, so they step into this point of hurry, and then they come into this new space they've never been to before. What's different about this world is that there's nothing, it's only void, right? So it's the absence of anything. And so when they arrive in this world, there's just complete silence. You can just kind of hear your own thoughts, right? Hear your breathing, right? There's, there's absolute pitch darkness. You cannot see anything. And so the first thing that they begin to do is just kind of be, begin to kind of like feel their way out. You know, and they're hauling to each other. Hey, I'm over here. Marco, Polo. You get the idea, right? As they're there, they begin to sense a vibration in the ground, right? Something begins to kind of move under their feet. So they all begin to kind of put their hands down to kind of feel it. Have you ever felt something before you heard it? Ever? No? Okay. Oceans and dryers, okay, great. Uh, With sound waves, there are certain types of low register sound waves that you cannot hear, but you can feel it. Even this morning in this room, there were waves coming from these subwoofers that you could not hear them, but you felt them. It's a low register, right? Your ears can't get that low. You just feel it in your chest, right? In your feet, in the floor, in the chairs, And as they begin to feel this this beat, all of a sudden they begin to hear the the noises begin to rise around them. And here's uh, how the book explains the next thing that happened. It said, And in the darkness, something was happening at last. A voice began to sing. It was very far away, and Diggory found it hard to decide what direction it was coming from. Sometimes it seemed to come from all directions at once. Sometimes he almost thought it was coming out of the earth beneath them." Its lower notes were deep enough to be the voice of the earth herself. There were no words. There was hardly even a tune. But it was, beyond comparison, the most beautiful noise he had ever heard. It was so beautiful he could hardly bear it. Then two wonders happened at the same time. One was that the voice was suddenly joined by other voices, more voices that you could possibly even count. They were in harmony But far higher up on the scale, cold, tingling, silvery voices. The second wonder was that the blackness overhead, all at once, was blazing with stars. They didn't come out gently, one by one, as a summer evening. One moment there had been nothing but darkness. The next moment, a thousand upon a thousand points of light leapt out. If you had seen and heard it, as Diggory had, you would have felt quite certain that this was the first voice the deep one, which had made them appear and made them sing. Now, as the story goes on, as they're there, again, it's, it's still dark. And then there's stars, and all I can see is up. And then all of a sudden, they begin to realize that these stars are kind of shining a light around them. And so it's happening at the same time. The, the sound waves begin to change. They begin to hear these different tunes and rhythms and, and beats and noises and songs. And as the song changes, all of a sudden, grass begins to grow up. All of a sudden, these plants and trees begin to sprout. All of a sudden, these birds begin to fly in in the sky. And then what they see, the ground begins to raise, and hills and mountains and valleys and streams begin to to be created. And then what they see in the distance on this hill is this lion. And of course, if you've read these stories, you know that uh, they use Aslan as this kind of imagery for Christ. And they see this lion who's kind of singing and directing this song. And as he's singing, these sound waves coming from this lion, all of a sudden the sun begins to rise, and the light begins to cover, and all the colors, and you can just kind of picture it, right? This is such a beautiful picture to me of what we see in the book of Genesis, the first creation, right? I know sometimes the book of Genesis can be a little bit static, and it said, and God spoke all things into creation. But I like what this children's story does for us. It kind of It fills in all the blanks, right? All of the the details of what could have happened. We put our imagination in here. And what we see is this beautiful kind of imagery of this song of God kind of creating all things that we see. Now, back to waves, right? You've all experienced the waves, right? There's something about the water when those waves come. You cannot fight it. Are you stronger than the ocean? Seems pretty simple, right? No, you are not. But there is a point in the water, in the ways where we kind of feel confident. Have you ever felt confident in the ocean? Yeah, I'm good. I got this. I'm doing good. I can tread water for hours. Whatever. I can't do that, but you could. You get the idea. There is a point of confidence we come to in the water sometimes. But there's always an experience in the ocean that reminds you that you are not in control, right? There's always a moment where you get knocked off your feet, where you have the water in your mouth, where you get tumbled a little bit, and you realize, I can't be in the ocean and be in control. I have to choose. I either choose to give up control, to know that it's going to be dangerous, it's going to be a little bit wild, it's going to be out of my control, but to enjoy this wonder, I cannot be in control. Or, option two, I can be those awesome people who just kind of camp out on the sand, amen, with the, you've got the the big umbrella, and your drinks, and your suntan lotion, and you're just sleeping as your kids are out in the ocean. That sounds like a really good idea. Amen. We all know how that goes. See, you did not have a choice whether or not to be a part of the first wave of creation. See, a wave does something, right? Right? A wave brings in new things and takes out old things. I'm not sure if you've ever been uh, to experience um, a shoreline when the tide goes out. When it's coming in, it's it's encroaching on your, your umbrella and your toys and your sandcastles and your footprints. And it comes up closer and closer. But when it goes out, it leaves a clean slate. See, when the first wave of creation came in, you didn't have a choice to be a part of it. Did you choose whether or not to exist? Okay, if you did, please share the story with me. We're going to make millions of dollars together. I will share the profits with you. We will tithe. The whole thing, you get it. You had no choice whether or not to participate in the first wave. The first wave swept you open, and you were a part of, Of this new moving in, this sweepingness of life and creation and beauty, you had no control. You and the stars and the planets, the tides, you had no control. You were just swept into being, living, being, thinking, experiencing, feeling. You had no control. But here's what Easter Sunday has to say to you you had no control on whether or not to be, to exist. The first wave was not up to you. But the question of Easter Sunday is this. Will you choose to get swept up in the second wave? The literal, physical body of Christ is the first warning sign, the first taste, the first movement of the second wave. Here, I'll explain this to you. Sometimes when the tide begins to come in on a very gentle day, right? If you're standing on the sand, the water comes very gently up to your feet, just gently. If you stand there for about 10, 20 minutes, of course, the bad thing is if you stand there, of course, your feet will be sunk in the sand. you get it if you've been in the ocean? Okay, okay, sorry. Um, It will suck you in. You will be in trouble. But it slowly begins to come up, right? That first experience of the water, when it first kind of laps up and you're okay, it's getting close to our chairs, getting close to our sandcastles, you have a choice. Are we going to pack up and move back? Or are we going to stay here? The first lapping of the water okay, is the resurrection of the body of Jesus. It's the first movement of the water. The way that water always moves, there's always a first kind of a wave. And then it back builds. And then it comes stronger. And then it back builds and comes stronger. Even tsunamis. There's always a gentle ebb and then a back build, and then the wave comes. The resurrection of Jesus is a giant yellow blinking warning. Do you want to stick around when the wave comes? The second wave of life, the second wave of creation, the second wave of making things new is coming. Do you want to be a part of it? You get to choose this time. You have a choice. Now, the good news is today is that for anyone here who has experienced suffering, pain, loss, death, it's sometimes an easier question for you to answer. If the last few years or weeks or days of your life have been nothing but pain or anger or questions or tears, it's not a hard choice to say, sure, these ashes of the the things I have lost, sure, you can take them. It's easier for us. So in the Scriptures, Revelation 21, if you guys have your Bible, I want to read this real quick. Revelation 21, verse 1 through 5, and I saw heaven and earth new created, gone the first heaven, gone the first earth, gone the sea, the sea is always a picture of chaos or loss, death, destruction, pain. I saw the Holy Jerusalem, a picture of kind of the the new creation of God. The new place where His people are going to dwell. New created, descending, coming down, resplendent, meaning beautiful, out of heaven. As ready for God as a bride for her husband. So kind of the imagery here, it's almost like here comes the people of God, just this merging, there is a merging happening, if you see this. Heaven and earth are colliding, right? There's something new being created. And then the people of God and God Himself, they're coming together. And I heard a voice thunder from the throne. Look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood, making His home with men and women. They're His people. He's their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears gone. Crying gone. Pain gone. All the first order of things. Or in our sermon today, the first order, sub sub it out and say the first wave. All of the first wave of the way things are are going to be gone. And it says, look, I'm making everything new. I'm making everything new. Now, sin and death. Who loves sin and death? Everybody. We all love sin and death. Amen. Hallelujah. Right. I want you to jump in, um, kind of jump in on this picture with me. Sin and death. Imagine if you are in the ocean... And you are trying to to swim, right? The wave is trying trying to move you. Imagine if you have a chain on your ankle attached to a huge weight, so like an anchor, right? Something that weighs hundreds of pounds. And this anchor is in the floor. And as the waves come, you're trying to go and you cannot be moved. You are stuck. You're tethered. You're anchored. You are unable to move, to go anywhere new, experience anything new. Part of the picture that is painted on Easter Sunday, what is possible when you are no longer tied down by sin, meaning the things that we do out of our brokenness? Every sin you've ever committed has come out of your pain, your loss, your insecurity, your fear, everything we've done to hurt us and people around us. is not because you're a terrible person. It's because you're a broken person. What if you weren't broken anymore? The majority of your life decisions, okay, have come from a reality of death, right? We have children. Why? So our children can succeed us. We work and we make money and do all those great things so that our kids can succeed us and go on to care. It, it, okay, this is a really beautiful picture of life. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Most of the choices that you make are centered around avoiding or dealing with death. What if death was not a tether? What if death was not a factor? What if you live life with no fear of there ever being an end for you. What if you live life with nothing to be afraid of, with nothing to hide, with nothing to, to, to need? What if you live life without these things holding you down? Where would the new wave take you? Part of the Easter story is a call to your imagination. What would your life look like if you did not live with fear and brokenness, anger, shame, all these words that don't mean much to us, but if you could hone it in on your personal life, if you, if you could just know yourself a little bit today, what would you look like without those things? What if you never feared death or ending or loss ever again? What would you look like? What would you do with your time? If all you had was a world with the people and things you love the most, with no fear, with no brokenness, with no shame, you could always tell the truth, amen? No, that'd be terrifying, huh? Imagine if we had five minutes of like truth-telling. Five minutes. Say anything, no one holds against anybody. We would have fistfights in the church right now, right? But imagine if you could. Imagine if everyone in this room was healthy enough to be fully honest right now. That shirt looks awful. (laughs) How about that? His preaching's terrible. Should have gone to First Baptist. I knew it. (laughs) I mean, what if we had five minutes of honesty, right? What if you had five years of honesty? What if you were healed enough to say all those things you always wanted to say to the people who meant the most to you? What if you could go back with your parents who aren't around anymore and and say those things you weren't able to say? What if you could forgive and let go of those things that you haven't been able to live to, to let go of? All of your what ifs, what if they weren't what ifs anymore. Now that's a sentence right there. This is what Easter is saying to you. There is a life on the other side of this life. And in that place, you will no longer be held down by all of these things that hold you down. But here's the catch. There's only one way to get there. Only one way. The wave is the only way to get there. Who's ever seen... Okay, please help me with this. Um, uh, Oh no, I just lost... um, uh, Tom Hanks on the island, what's it called? Thank you, Lord. The whole sermon about just went down. So you have seen it. Okay. And it's like a big part of this movie is him trying to get past the reef, right? The waves, right? Because he can't get past it. That's why he's stuck with the volleyball, right? Wilson, right? Imagine... Imagine, right? The only way to get to over there is to go through these waves, right? And every time you come this wave, if it does one thing to you, it's going to tumble dry. It's going to flip. You're going to lose. You cannot go over. You can only let it take you. That's it. The only way to get to this place is to let these waves roll you there. So in the Christian faith, we give you warnings. Any good pastor should be very good at reading the warning labels on Christian salvation. Here's the first one. Welcome to relationship with God. You get there one way. Dying and suffering. Have you heard that message yet? Okay. Welcome to the Christian faith. We're going to baptize you in water because water's really awesome. Oh, wait, no. We baptize you in water to warn you. The only way to get there, everything's going to have to die. This is such a beautiful picture. We're all going to sing a great song. And I'm going to reenact putting you in the grave. Isn't that awesome? What are we doing? It's a warning label. Warning. Yeah, it's awesome over there, but there's only one way to get there. The first time, that um, I think the last time that I got tumbled to the ocean, I I was like seven, eight, or nine. And I remember just going out in the water, and there was a, a, a moment where I lost my footing. And the water just kind of pulled me under. And I just remember just spinning. I was underwater and just like feeling the, like your head hit the sand. I'm not sure if you've ever experienced that. And just like feeling sand go everywhere. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> and just getting rolled, right? Just roll and roll. And you're just, you're just wondering, am I going to be able to hold my breath long enough to when it stops? And I just remember getting rolled and then just finally just kind of it, it, it kind of washed me up on the shore. And I stood up. On the shore, and I just looked down, and my family the place I'd started was just so far down the, uh, the shoreline. This is the most accurate picture I could ever give you of what salvation looks like. This is no contract that you're signing. Uh, it's not a handshake agreement. It's not a wonderful water slide to happiness. It is the experience of fully letting go and allowing God something bigger than you, more powerful than you, something you cannot control, you cannot hinder, you cannot change this this God's mind. It's going to tumble you all the way to a, hopefully, a safe place, a beautiful place, a good place. It should scare you. If you're not scared, you probably don't get it. If you're not scared, you probably haven't thought much about death yet. If you're not scared, you probably haven't lost anything yet. Because the only way to get there is to lose control. And so it's hard for us for two ways. The first reason this is scary is because for all of us who have experienced death, we have experienced loss, we've experienced pain, the things that we, we were so hopeful about this, we knew this was going to work. We knew this was going to change life. We knew this was going to make us happy. We just knew it. And all we've got left is the ashes of it. That beautiful picture of what we thought was going to be so amazing is now this burnt heap of ashes in our hands. You've lost someone who you love so dearly. You want to just hold on to them and keep them with you, but you can't. They're gone. You can't see them. You can't touch them. They're gone. When you are in those spaces, what's difficult about salvation, about the resurrection is Sometimes holding on to the ashes of what you used to have is safer than even letting go of those things. Even crying every night about this loss somehow seems safer than trying to go through a process that you've been told will make you whole again. For some reason, you, it can become comforting to be angry or comforting to be sad or comforting to be alone. And for those of us on the other side of this, we have good things. We have, we're happy. We're happy. Hey, life is good. I've worked real hard to get a good life. I don't want to lose that. In your head, just kind of a picture. If you could take your ten favorite things from your house, what are they? Your favorite bow, your favorite TV, your lazy boy, anybody? No one? Okay. uh, Your camper. How about that? Anyone a camper fan? You guys are not helping at all. Is there anything you care about at your house? Okay, guess not. Then just, you know, you guys should tithe everything you got because you don't care about it anyway, right? No. that f- your what? Your chickens. That'll work. About $5 worth of chicks. Sounds good. All right. Uh, if you happen to love chickens a whole lot, okay. Imagine holding on to those things chickens, whatever, an RV. A TV, a Lazy Boy, whatever, just kind of a picture, right? Now picture yourself walking into the ocean with those things. With a little chick, this is going to be a sad, sad picture. <laughs> I didn't mean for it to turn out this way, but you took me here, okay? So imagine the waves are hitting you here in the knees, right? Working your way, this is going to get real terrible. Um, don't call Pete on me, okay? It's about to get ugly, all right. Um, to the hips, to the, to the waist, right? You're now to the point where that thing you love so much you're having to put over your head, right? You're having to keep it away from those waves. <laughs> I feel guilty. I feel so bad. Uh, so you're a lazy boy, which is easier, I think, for, for the picture, right? You're dragging that sucker in the water, right? At some point, trying to save that thing or those things is going to cost you your life, right? Right? If you have no choice but to go forward, you cannot go back. It's not an option. The shark, something, I don't know, whatever it is that helps your mind, right? You can't go back. There's only forward. At some point, you've got to let go of those things. If you are going to make it to the other side, at some point, you will have to let go of all of those things. If the only way to get to the other side is to let the waves sweep us over there, it might be scary, it might be a little bit overwhelming for us, but it's the only way. At some point, all of these things we have to let go of. them. This is the challenge. This is the challenge of the cross. Man, I just love the fact that we have a Sunday where we all dress up in pastels and we all go chase these like you know, bright eggs, right? And the entire day is built around one reality. Life! But what's the trick in that whole little thing, Right? You only get to Sunday when you go through Good Friday. The only way to life is what? Through death. How in the world that goes together with pastels, I will never know. We should all be here in black. I don't know. Or swimsuits. How about that? swimsuit? We're all getting ready for the dive, right? The call of God is to take us deeper. And the only way to go, the spiritual maturity is this learning to let go of these things that we think we love so much. Just let those chicks go. They'll be fine. They'll swim to the other side, maybe. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. That, that I didn't work well. Okay, um, I'm not asking that question next year. Okay. And so in all of this, the question is the same. Are we going to choose to be a part of the new wave? The second wave. The first the first lapping of the water has already come. When Jesus came out of the grave with a body, a resurrected body, a similar body but a different body, when He came out talking, eating fish, touching, hugging, and then disappearing and walking through walls... Um, we have a sign that what is here, what we know, what we're comfortable with, what we, what the first wave brought in, is already being taken out. And soon, all the only thing, the only things which will exist, are the things that the second wave brings in. We can fight it as long as we want. We can try to hide from it. We can ignore it. We can ignore it. We can numb ourselves, distract ourselves. But in some way, shape, or form, you will taste death. And for everyone in the room who has lost someone, here's the good news. Here's the good news of the gospel. Just wait until the second wave. If you've lost someone who you love so do, just wait until the second wave. It's almost like saying the tide will bring it in almost, you know. Just wait. But the only way for you to get to participate is to let the tide take you out as well. The only way to get there is to let the waves sweep over you to take us to what God is doing. And it's a beautiful thing. You can feel it. You can see it, right? Even in sound waves, right? Sound waves move like this throughout the room, right? There is a movement in all of creation of the new life of God taking everything that is and everything that is broken and everything that the first wave brought in and He's taking it somewhere new. A place where there is no death, where there is no loss, There's no pain. There's only life in the presence of God, being whole and healthy. Would you guys stand with me this morning? And so as I was praying about this morning, the one thing I really felt heavy on my heart was that, um, you know, we we know Easter is, is a family kind of a centric day we celebrate. You know, we're all going to take a family picture, hopefully. We're all going to go eat lunch with friends and family. For everyone who's here alone, you know, or or you feel alone. And specifically, I felt like uh, for people who have lost parents, uh, even more specifically, I felt like it's a day for people who have lost uh, fathers who aren't here with you today. What if you could be with those people again? What if all of the what-ifs you have with them, things you wish you had said, hugs you wish you had given, experiences you wish you had shared, all the parts of yourself that you had held back from them, or whether you are a parent, what if you could go back and redo how you spent your life with your children? You could go back and undo those mistakes. You could share more of yourself. You could be more vulnerable. Be more present. Choose them over work. Whatever it is. This, This is the exciting invitation of Easter. To let the waves take us to a place where there's no death. All that there is, is living fully as yourself. Completely healthy. Not hiding, not running, not fighting, not hurting, just being yourself with the people who mean the most. What would that be like? But the challenge of Easter. Are you willing to let go? We baptized some people last Sunday and if you notice, I think we did not force them under. <laughs> That's called murder. It's not baptism, okay? Um, <laughs> when you get baptized, you have to choose to let go. You have to let that person lay you under the water. The work of God in Christ is not a forceful work it's not something where god forces you to be whole and to be healthy and to forces you to receive a life with no death this is an invitation the first wave has already hit the shore with the resurrection of jesus the warning's been sent if you don't want to be swept up get out of the water you can always pack up your chairs you can take your life and you can live it on the safe edges of the shore and just kind of ignore everything that god is doing Choose to not be a part of it. That's okay. But the invitation is to come into the deep. The invitation is to know that you're going to lose your lawn chair and your sandwich and your sand castle. It's all going to get swept away. But the invitation is this. The God who is willing to die for us, the God who is willing to hurt for us, to experience life as a human being with us, is trustworthy. Though as we're being tumbled away to the next life, the next, the next existence, We can trust that we will kind of stand up and wake up in a good place because this is the God who loves us. He can be trusted. So uh, before we close, we're going to have the prayer team coming up. And again, two things. If you've lost a loved one, especially parents, father, uh, we'd like to just kind of pray with you today. Secondly, if you don't know anything, if you're not sure about what comes after this life, If you would like to know, we'd like to pray with you. Father, we come to you today. For everyone in this room who's lost a parent, specifically fathers, all the things we wish we had said, we we wish we had done, the moments we wish we had shared with them, ask, Lord, that you would just touch their hearts. They wouldn't live with the tether, the anchor of resentment or frustration, anger, offense, even sorrow that you would meet them today and wash it away in the waves of the new thing that you're doing inside of them. And for everyone this morning who doesn't know God, who has not connected, who who does not trust your heart for them, I ask that you would just begin, even this morning, that they would know that you are good, that you are close, that you are loving, and that you can be trusted, even if you cannot be controlled.